This is the Heal from Trauma-Bonded Relationships with me, Dr. Sarah, empowering you to heal from painful relationships to rediscover your self-worth and confidence because you are ready to be the best version of yourself. Hello, my friends. Today, I'm going to be talking about five really common red flags that occur that result in remaining in a trauma-bonded relationship. But actually, most people miss the signs of these red flags. And we might miss the sign of the red flag because of certain subconscious beliefs that we hold about ourselves, about our worth, about how we should behave in a relationship, how we might question and doubt ourselves in terms of whether we're good enough and we prioritize other people. But also we might miss some of these red flags because of our neural network and how this is wired. So I know previously I talk quite a lot with regards to how our nervous system gets wired to detect threats. We become accustomed to certain traumatic events, whether it be t- little t trauma or big t trauma, but we end up being wired to being accustomed to these experiences. And so trauma becomes normalized, dare I say, and we end up operating from a place of still experiencing deep-rooted traumas. And we are operating from a space of wanting to survive, wanting to remain safe, wanting to protect ourselves. But we do this from a place of trauma. And so when we're doing this from a place of trauma, we really struggle to think clearly. We struggle to see clearly. We struggle to raise our awareness to the greater picture with regards to what would be in most service to us, most service to our soul, most service to our well-being, our psychological safety, our physical safety, because we're operating from a place of survival, from a place of trauma. So when I'm going through these five common red flags that people often miss, even though I'm talking about it and logically you might say, hey, yeah, of course this is a red flag. Of course this is a red flag. Of course that's a red flag. Even though they might seem quite obvious, but Because we're operating from a place of threat, our neural networks are wired in a threat way, in a threat system. And so we are constantly expecting further criticism, we're expecting further trauma, and we are expecting ourselves to remain in survival mode. And that's how we operate on a neurological level similarly with a somatic level and our nervous system is hyper alert to any form of threat and so we operate in a way of trying to avoid that threat but also our subconscious mind filters out things that might be helpful in the grand scheme of things in the long-term vision in support of maintaining current safety and current protection whether it be rational or irrational, the subconscious mind can't quite distinguish the two. It just has the sole purpose of keeping us safe, both emotionally, mentally, physically. Okay, so 
what are the five common things that people miss, the red flags that people often miss that means that we enter a trauma-bonded relationship, we let these red flags slip us by, we minimize them, we ignore them, we neglect them, and all of a sudden we feel like we're smacked in the face with a trauma-bonded relationship, whereas actually the reality is that this would have been built up over time. And when I say this, I I have previously been met with resistance before when I've mentioned the fact that a trauma bond occurs over time because people say, no, all of a sudden they became really abusive. But the truth is, is that if they were abusive to you from day one, you are unlikely to have entertained that relationship. You wouldn't have remained in a relationship. You wouldn't have entered a relationship with somebody who was abusive to you from day one. Actually, the abuse would have built up over time and it would have been really subtle to begin with. And perhaps it was unnoticeable. Perhaps you'd questioned it, but then you gave them the benefit of the doubt. You forgave them. You wanted to see where this could go. The good seemed to outweigh the bad, but then slowly over time, the bad started to outweigh the good. And then all of a sudden, you don't know how you got to this painful place. So when people say, I have no idea how this happened, it's true. Our conscious mind sometimes doesn't see it. We've not been able to recognize the buildup, but there would have been a buildup at some point because, you know, I'd be insulting your intelligence to say, hey, nothing ever happened. And all of a sudden you're met with the situation, but actually there would have been something, you would have had some sort of inclination or intuition or gut feeling or something. Something would have occurred. You would have detected, hey, something isn't quite right here, but you wouldn't have known what to put your finger on. You wouldn't have known what it is exactly that wasn't quite right. And so you gave it the benefit of the doubt and understandably so, you're an empath, you wanted to forgive, you wanted to build something, you'd seen something so incredible and you just wanted to be happy. Of course you did. And so it came from a place of innocence, it came from a place of genuine curiosity and genuine compassion and genuine affection for this person, but sadly it turned into something really sour. Okay, Let's begin. The five common red flags that people miss. That means a trauma-bonded relationship ends up evolving and you remain in the situation. The first one is actually the cycle of abuse. It's the cycle of abuse. It's both the bad and the good phases that you have with this individual that actually keeps you hooked in. Often people justify the good in lieu of the bad. So they say, hey, you know what? Yeah, ups and downs. And they kind of justify it and they say, hey, you know what? Life is filled with ups and downs. It's okay. It's like this relationship. But you know what? The good far outweighs the bad that it's absolutely okay. But actually, it's that talk in itself and it's the cycle itself that keeps us hooked in. And it is true life is filled with ups and downs. We all have good days and we have bad days. 
However, the fluctuation of the good days and the bad days in a healthy relationship is very different compared to the fluctuation of the good days and the bad days in a trauma-bonded relationship. So what I mean by that is a trauma-bonded relationship, we have extreme highs, the honeymoon phase, the love-bombing phase, Uh, even phases after an argument when they're showing a lot of remorse, they're showing a lot of love and attention. We have a very intense affection and very intense highs, but we also have crashing lows. We have intense periods of difficulty and explosion where there is an abusive event, where there is a real big disruption when there is a real big tension, there is conflict and it actually feels unbearable to some level and then all of a sudden it feels like you're just stunned in that moment. You go into shock, you go into fight or flight, you don't know how to respond because it's so unexpected and and, and it's because you're literally frozen in time you don't know what to do, time passes by and then all of a sudden you're back in the good phase again. And so we just kind of expect the good phase to outweigh the bad phase. We kind of rationalise it as well. But it's actually the cycle of abuse in itself and the intensity of the ups and downs of that cycle that cause the trauma bond. That There is the red flag that we commonly miss. Number two is isolation from our network, from our support system, from the people who we hold nearest and dearest. And so what often happens is that the abusive party and the trauma-bonded relationship tends to initially be open to your friends, to your family, but as time goes on, they will start making certain remarks Uh, negative remarks about these people that are in your network. So they might say, hey, your parents weren't very good to you back then. I don't know why you keep contact with them. Or they would say, hey, your friends don't really have much ambition. And, you know, (laughs) if you're hanging out with them, then that means that you don't have ambition as well. So you're just going to be stunted in life. Or they might say, hey, your friends are really unhealthy. And so if you remain in that place, well, actually, yeah, what's to say that you wouldn't become morbidly obese or whatever it is. But they will ultimately take qualities and uh, statements, make statements about your friends, about your family, about other people in your network, phrases as being really negative, but also phrase it as being really negatively impacting you. And so it's really intelligent the way that this occurs um, in terms of how it is a red flag, but also how it impacts you. And the reason why I say it's intelligent, because consciously me saying you getting isolated from your support system, of course, that's a red flag. That makes perfect sense consciously. However, the way it is executed is really intelligent because the way that it's executed is that they will say, hey, your friends, your family, your whoever is in your network has this bad quality. It negatively impacts you. If you remain with them, if you hang out with them, if you maintain this contact, you will also have this bad quality or it will negatively affect you and your future. And so the way that this is intelligent is because it shows that that there's this implication that they really care about you, that they want you and your future to look bright, that they want you to be happy, 
that they want you to do your best. And so they do this by phrasing, hey, you know what? Everybody else in your system sucks and you're going to suck if you continue. And so I know I'm saying it quite bluntly, uh, but that's actually another way of looking at it. And so if you're seeing it from this place of, hey, my partner just wants what's good for me, then yes, you're more likely to believe them. Yes, of course, you're more likely to go along with it. You're more likely to start distancing yourself from your friends and family because you're also starting to see that negative framework that they've placed in your mind about your friends and family. And so over time, you start isolating yourself. Initially, it might come from a place of, hey, you know what? Yeah, I have ambitions in life and my friends don't. So maybe I should just kind of distance myself from them and make new friends. But guess what? Your new friends are actually your partner's friends because they're the people that they introduce you to. And so your life becomes more and more intertwined with theirs. You become more and more dependent on them. And so you just want to spend more and more time with them. And what that means though, is that let's say if the relationship ends or something bad happens when there's a rupture, when there's an argument, you have got nowhere to go because you can't go off and complain to their friends about them. That, that They're their friends. They're the friends of your partner who has been hurtful. And so what do you do? In that moment, you become truly isolated because there's a bigger and bigger gap between you and your support network. So even though it might not appear to be a red flag because it doesn't to begin with, it actually does become a red flag, absolutely. Number three is rationalizing or minimizing the abuse. So I've kind of alluded to this before, but often what will happen is when we have entered a trauma bonded relationship or a toxic relationship or a relationship whereby we are permitting some level of criticism, we're permitting some level of judgment, we're permitting some level of negative attributions towards ourselves, it usually is a sign that we already have some underlying historical experiences of self-doubt. We already question our own worth on some level. We already have a shaken self-esteem we are already uncertain about ourselves. And so our self-identity is already quite fragile. And so when we're in this relationship with this individual, our tolerance for receiving abuse actually becomes quite high. Our tolerance for receiving criticism, again, is quite high. And it's high because guess what? You've already criticized yourself. You already have those self-doubts instilled in you somewhere that when your partner starts criticizing you or says that you're not enough or starts being abusive to you, hurtful towards you, it feels really uncomfortable. Of course it does. It feels really hurtful. But simultaneously, it's also familiar territory. Like your subconscious mind holds similar beliefs on some level. Your neural networks hold similar structures on some level. Your somatic system has kind of geared itself up to responding to these things. It's it's already sensitized 
to this theme. And so what happens is, is that as much as your conscious mind, the 5% of you might consider, hey, this is not nice, it is hurtful. But however, your neural network, your somatic system, your subconscious mind, the 95% of you, minimizes the abuse. It rationalizes it. It says, hey, you know what? They're right. Yes, I am a bit chubby if they called you fat or they might, or you might end up saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, what I did there was really stupid. I need to be better educated. I need to learn more. I need to quieten down if I don't know about something. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to, whatever it is, but it is I need to do or I need to be X, Y, and Z. And so rather than you recognizing and labeling the abuse for what it is, you actually start to direct that internally. And so you rationalize their behavior or you minimize their abusive behavior and you start directing it to, I need to do X, Y, and Z. You actually take it on board as feedback as opposed to labeling it as being abusive. Flag number four that we often miss is an issue around dependency. So as I've alluded to just the previous point is that people who are more likely to enter toxic relationships tend to have a fragile sense of self anyway and low self-esteem. And so what happens is that we then look outwardly for validation of ourselves. So if your partner says, hey, you look really good today, you feel great. You think, oh yes, finally I did it. I look great. I am this, I am that. But if they say, "Mm, are you really going to wear that? Or, oh, I think you've gained a bit of weight there or whatever it is. If they've criticized you in some way, all of a sudden you come crashing down because it already affirms your low self-esteem and it reinforces the negative beliefs that you might have about yourself. But what happens within this loop is that you actually become dependent on this individual. You become dependent on them for praise. You become dependent on them for validation. You become dependent on them even on a practical sense. So when they've isolated you from your friends and family, your support network, you literally then start depending on them because they're the only person in your life. Uh, You might have their friends as well on Facebook or whatever else, you might see them now and again, but you know what? those people are still their friends at the end of the day. And so you then really start depending on this individual to make you feel good. You start depending on this individual for your social network, for your relationships, so that you're not totally alone. But you also might start depending on them with regards to your identity. So as the relationship evolves, as time goes on, your identity becomes so intertwined with this individual and within the relationship that it's very hard to separate who you are, you as a human being, being full, just as you are, versus you within the relationship. Those two identities become very difficult to distinguish actually you start losing the sense of who you are because you're so heavily dependent on them and your identity becomes fully wrapped up within that. And so the idea of the relationship ending feels all the more tragic because then that means that you would also end because your identity separate to the relationship feels so fragile. It's 
even nearly impossible to consider that if the relationship ends, then you feel like you will end as well. And so how could you possibly function without the relationship? Whereas people with a more secure sense of self, they have some parts of themselves becoming intertwined with the relationship, but actually their sense of self is so secure that they know who they are separate to the relationship. That is them as a whole human being. And so they might recognize this idea of, you know what, if the relationship ends, I will be extremely sad, but they also know I will survive and it's okay. There is brightness at the end of the day. The sun will still rise. They, they they know that and they're so grounded in that that they're not really as dependent. And red flag number five, the inability to end the relationship. And so I, I know I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but just to go into it in a bit deeper level, that you consciously start to recognize that the relationship is really painful. You recognize that it's toxic. You recognize that there are a lot of hurtful behaviors and you're not comfortable. You're not okay with that. Simultaneously, it feels really hard to end. And so I can't even tell you the number of people who I've met, who I've spoken to, clients of mine, as well as just people who've who've contacted me And they've said to me, you know what, I ended the relationship, but then we got back together again. Or I wanted to explore the relationship again after a couple of weeks of it ending. Or I deleted their number, but then they were messaging me, they were at my door, and now we're in a relationship again. Or whatever it might be, but but, but ultimately it's a sense that, hey, you know what, it was really painful. I got to a state where it was painful and I wanted to back away from it or I wanted to end it and I might have actually ended it, but it's not really ended. Like I I, I kind of mentioned that idea, but it almost seems like we took a break as opposed to we genuinely ended and you feeling secure in that ending. So you repeatedly find yourself going back to this relationship and you go back to this relationship not because of the pain, not because you enjoy the toxic behaviours that were occurring, but actually because you're so hooked on to the potential of the greatness, you're hooked on to the potential of the love that they showed you and you are craving that again, you are wanting that back again, understandably so, because you are wanting love. That's all that you're looking for is love. And that is so innocent and that is so pure. But sadly, you end up searching it through this really painful pattern or with this really painful individual. And more often than not, what I hear a lot of people ending up with is that even when they've ended one difficult relationship, somehow they find themselves in another relationship and initially they'll be like, hey, you know what? It's really great. Everything is really cool now. I love this person. They treat me really well. Fast forward a couple of months and they're in a painful cycle again. And they're in a painful cycle again because our subconscious mind, the 95% of us, uh, it affects 95% of our behaviors, 
we end up being attracted to what we are familiar with, not necessarily what is good for us. And so we might interpret it as being good for us, even though actually all it is, is that it gives us a sense of familiarity and we find comfort in familiarity. And so whether it be this person, whether it be the next person, we just end up finding ourselves in this toxic cycle again. And we really struggle to end it once and for all. And often people also struggle to create massive changes because creating massive changes can be really daunting. It can feel really threatening. It can feel really anxiety provoking. And so if this is the case, then we end up remaining in a similar state. So what I would really invite everybody who is listening to this is to really let me know whether any of these five red flags have occurred to you, whether you might have had some sort of inclination or whether you might have had some insights listening to this, and also what your thoughts are reflecting back on painful relationships that you may have had, whether you're still in this space, whether you have grown, I'd absolutely love to hear what is going on with you. So if you want, please do get in touch. You can find me on my website, healtraumabonding.com or on Instagram, Alsawi, And I look forward to speaking with you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do me two favours. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and rate this podcast so that other people can find support and life-changing information. Until next time, take care.